views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. What are you doing in here, soldier? Get out! Get out! Look girls, you don't understand. Look at you. I'm out of here. Look at Don't you recognize me, girls? Wait a minute. I know who you are. Now there's a smart girl. You spoiled our dance yesterday. Yes, because of you, Anase gave us no supper. She threatened to beat us, too. She sent Zella to work in the kitchen as punishment. Call the guard. Tell him to get Anase. No, no, no. Wait a minute, girls. Don't do it. Look, is it my fault that female Simon Legree sent you to bed without any supper? No, it's yours for letting the old witch get away with it. Well, what can we do? Organize. Demand your rights. Well, you harem dancers ought to start a new movement. You'll get a better shake that way. You just don't realize your own power. Power? We have power? Just look in the mirror, honey. As I was saying, girls, if we make our moves in the right direction, they're bound to pay attention. I tell you, girls, this friend of ours is right. There's got to be a big change around here. <laughs> You're getting the idea, pal. And what about this local idea? One wolf owning 20 wives. Why, that's wrong distribution. Dancers, we want shorter hours and longer pantaloons. The next thing you know, they'll be asking you to dance with your feet. Why, you could have flat feet, fallen arches. They'll throw you out on the desert to starve. You'll be broke, jobless, washed up at 15. Girls, organize, organize. Thanks, girls. Thanks a lot. Now, talk it over among yourselves. I, excuse me. She's got a bottle. November 2nd, 2010. I'm Bob Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. And what an interesting theme we've dug up for the show today, eh, Robert? I think so. Uh, marriage, unions, contracts, what are they? Or is it marriage an institution? We're going to be asking the question as well. Is freedom bountiful in Canada or is bountiful a test of freedom in Canada? I'm looking at the issue of polygamy. And uh, is the definition of marriage important? And if it is, or is it irrelevant? Does it even matter? And we're going to look at the end of the show, talking about open marriage, other ideas of you know relationships that men and women and men and men and men and women and women have with each other so we don't know exactly where this is going to end up certainly some interesting questions raised and i guess the first one i've got oh before we carry on remember 519-661-3600 is a number to call if you want to join in on the conversation and you can always reach us at feedback at justrightmedia.org to suggest any of your ideas for topics even in the future or your comments on what you've already heard on the show. How did we get into this one, Robert? I think it was all the articles that I've seen in uh, the National Post about the Bountiful case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just sort of sparked um, the debate, especially since we've had a lot of debate uh, in the past few years over the recognition of homosexual marriages. Yes. Yeah. 
and that's what got you going. So where did you want to start? Did you want to start, uh, I think you wanted to start getting right into the polygamy issue, didn't well, you? Well, that's what interests me is not just so much the polygamy, uh, the polygamy thing. It was the, uh, I found particularly interesting, the growing list of what I would call non-sequitur arguments. The case in the mm-hmm. Bountiful and similar cases in the United States seem to focus at least with the public on perceived violations of the rights of the women or children involved or on the authoritarian nature of the husband or of the church elders. That's claimed that because some of these wives were married while under the age of consent, therefore polygamy should be illegal. Yeah. Or because the women entered into the marriage without fully being able to consent due to either their age or intense pressure from the church, then polygamy should be illegal. The fact is that these non-sequiturs can apply to monogamous marriages as well and are not an argument in and of themselves against polygamy or plural marriages. The real issue is not the perceived right abuses in any particular case, but whether or not the state should recognize polygamous marriages when it comes to such matters as the legitimacy of children, the obligation of raising children, who does it fall on, the disposition of sharing of assets, should the marriage fail and the couple or couples separate. In other words, the only reason the state should take an interest in the definition of marriage is well, I find it interesting you're even using the word couples when you're talking about polygamy. Or can you use that word? <laughs> there's, a bit yeah. of a, there's a bit of a contradiction. You know, what, I, you know, it didn't dawn on me. You're right. Couples. What do we call them? A gaggle? A group? Well, I don't know. That's what <laughs> I, I was heard. just thinking on couples. Which couple? The two women? The, the, the 104th wife and the 107th That's wife? interesting. You know how they have different words for different groupings, like a pride what? of lion. Maybe they had pride of lions. Maybe they should have <laughs> some sort of special word for a um, polygamous group. Well... I'm Maybe telling you, the matter of definitions, even in even in the subtle ones, is critical to to resolving anything in this issue. And you you certainly have to wonder why it's such a an emotional issue for people. Um, I, you're, I'm getting the impression you're swinging towards yeah, you don't you don't see a problem with polygamy, uh, not particularly. Yeah. Um, I'm focusing particularly on the um, the legality of mm-hmm. the whole thing. In my in my estimation, the only the only reason the government should take an interest in marriage, whether it's the definition or the recognition of it, is when children and property is involved during a dispute. Now, historically, the institution of marriage was often very informal and did not require the sanction of either the church or state. In some cases, all that was required to be married was for the couple, in this case it is a couple, Mm -hmm. to simply say to each other, I marry you. They uh, then acted as a household or a family. I think you have to go back, uh, let's look at my notes here, you had to go back to about 1545. Let's see here, 1545. Uh, Christian marriages in Europe were by mutual consent, declaration of intention to marry, and upon the uh, subsequent physical union of the parties, the, uh, the couple would promount, uh, promise verbally to each other that they would be married to each other. The presence of a priest or witness was not required. That's all the way up to 1545, at least in Western culture. Mm-hmm. Now, as it stands now, consenting adults can and do enter into all kinds of conjugal relationships. All kinds. You name it, they've they've done it. (laughs) They're doing it. A man does not need state approval to share a bed with as many women as he pleases or even to have children by these women. Likewise, a woman can share her bed with whomever she pleases. People can cohabit and enjoy sexual relationships with people of any number and of any gender. It's not the state's business 
and this is as it should be. Now, if I were a libertarian, I would say that this is all that's required of the state, to stay out of the affairs of consenting adults and let them live their lives as they choose. But I'm not a libertarian, and there is a definite role that the state has to play when it comes to what kinds of unions or marriages it will officially recognize. There's the word I was looking for. Are we talking about state approval or state recognition? Recognition and recognition only is and, what I'm su suggesting. And that's a thing people actively pursue. Mm -hmm. approval, for, for implies, approval implies a sort of a moral superiority. I approve of what you're doing mm -hmm. in a moral sense. And of course the state really has no um, authority to do any of that kind of thing. Now, while historically marriage has taken many forms, as I say, from the casual I marry you to elaborate and codified marriages we see today, there has been one lasting aspect of marriage that must involve the state. That aspect is marriage as contract. When a man and woman marry, they have, in all cases, committed themselves to shared obligations and responsibilities. In most cases, it centers on the raising of children. You may share your bed with anyone you please, but once a child is born, as a result, then there are obligations which the state must be witness to in the event that either parent reneges on their responsibility to the child and the other parent. And there is a responsibility not only to the child, but to the other parent, especially uh, in the case of a parent, mostly the woman, who chooses to forego uh, a career in order to raise children. I'm willing to bet virtually everyone who's listening to this and who's married has never had to show their marriage certificate to anyone <laughs> ever. That is, until there's a, a dispute which causes separation, divorce, the splitting of property, or the custody of a child. Even then, I wonder how many judges have tested a claim to responsibility by demanding the certificate of marriage be shown to them. Everybody? I don't think they need a certificate. I think they go to the record. That's where it counts. Yes. The certificate is just your copy of their record. Yeah, it's just simply a piece of paper anyway. My marriage certificate has lain untouched in my safety deposit box for 23 years. <laughs> totally unused <laughs> um, in a legal sense. Marriage is, for the most part, a civil agreement which is recognized I, by I, I, everyone I don't know if I accept tacitly. That, that it's unused. I, I don't know. It is there. The piece of paper is unused. Well, the pe well of course. But what it, what it represents isn't. It, it, it is basically a written declaration of your status with Correct. relationship to a specific person, your wife. Correct. Now, that's what I said now, before. Now, to say it's unused is like a non sequitur to me. I don't think it matters. Well, that's, what I, that's my point. It doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> you don't even need the piece statement. of paper. <laughs> I think it's a statement that doesn't matter. I th oh, you don't need the paper, but it's, it, it is a thing. Well, it, that's it, my point. It, it recognizes a relationship in law. Actually, it's just a piece of paper which, which is a record of your um, recognition of your relationship. Yes. Everything is verbal. I'm just, I'm just objecting to your saying it's unused. I think it's serving a purpose, even though you don't carry it around with you. I understand that. What purpose does it serve? It could be destroyed in a fire tomorrow. I'll never have to use it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's your, it's your copy of, of their record. That's, it's not as that's, if that's, that's it's, the purpose. It's it not served. as if it was destroyed or stolen. All of a sudden, we're not married. No, of course <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be an interesting <laughs> consequence. Yeah, carry on. It? Yeah. When a man and woman marry, they have in all cases committed themselves to shared obligations, as I said before. And um, marriage is for the most part, and historically, and even today, a civil agreement which is recognized by everyone without question, tacitly, unquestionably. 
That is, if you were at a garden party and introduced someone as your wife, who would ever think of challenging you on the fact? Fact, it's a, it's a word-of-mouth arrangement that is almost never tested or contested until one of the couple acts in contradiction to the contract. Yeah, like the first wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking from... Uh, and that's when she pulls part. out that piece of paper that you said serves no purpose. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, actually, I said it serves no purpose until... Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, by acting adulterously, by running off with the kids, by seeking divorce and claiming that your collection of Beatles albums is actually hers, <laughs> that's when the state needs to act. That's probably when the paper piece of paper has to be pulled out if somebody says that they're not actually married to you. But anyway, I'm going to continue this line of reasoning uh, a little after the break. Okay, going to take a quick break and we'll continue this uh, story and to take a look at what's going on in Bountiful and what is the legal status of polygamy and its punishments and uh, etc. Very interesting. We'll be back after this quick break. They sit down. They will not dance. Dance, you heavy for the daughter of a camel! Oh! Honestly, it's cruel to us. We want her fire. Never yes. again will we dance without supper. We want better hours. Quiet! Quiet, I'll tell him. I have been chosen spokesman for collective bargaining. Collective bargaining? Enough of this nonsense. Dance, I command you. No. 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 Dance, I say. No. We want an old age retirement plan. Yes. 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 An accident and health insurance. Yes. yes. And sick leave and seniority rights. And two weeks vacation with pay. Guards, get these chattering magpies out of here. Clear the room. arguing because just because you agree with her that doesn't mean she's gonna stop a woman can't take yes for an answer and move on there's got to be an interrogation that follows it you're right honey i'm wrong you're right and do you know why you're wrong <laughs> and will you tell me why you make the same mistakes over and over again And welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where you can call us at 519-661-3600 to join in on the conversation. And Bob, why did, why did he assume a, a German accent? There? <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about it, and that was Adam Ferrara, by the way. And I, I was thinking, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it almost be correct on a personal level to define marriage as a voluntary restriction on a person's freedom? In a way? Um, no. No? You wouldn't look at it that way? No, no I wouldn't well, look at he, it that way. Adam Ferreira sounded like he was looking at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would think that it is a, a voluntary undertaking to assume obligations to each other. Well, that places restrictions on your, your... Well, I guess not your freedom, per se, but your... That. I wouldn't... Freedom is a rather larger word, I yes, think. Yes, you're right. Yeah. But anyway, back to polygamy. Mm -hmm. 
And we just talked yeah, about... Yeah, which is way more complex than I ever thought it would it get. It is. And when you're looking at this issue from, a, I don't know, a legal aspect, which I'm not a lawyer any, by any stretch of the imagination, just a lay person trying to figure out whether or not the government has any right to recognize or not polygamous or group marriages. Now, we talked about um, the reasons that people might break up and give cause for the state to step in to, uh, to arbitrate disputes in a marriage contract and that's the emphasis on the word contract and it is these disputes i i reason that um, many many state states have been reluctant to recognize marriages other than traditional one man one woman kind because no matter how many women you're married to a child is only born of one woman and fathered by one man so in a polygamous relationship if there is a disruption in the contract, say, for example, the husband dies, or do the wives have a legal responsibility to rear the children of the other wives? If a, if a wife divorces her bigamous husband, can she walk away and let him and the other wives take care of the children she had with by, by him? If there are no children involved and a polygamous marriage breaks up, how shall the household assets be divvied up? The complex web of responsibilities in any non-traditional marriage can be a legal nightmare. That's why the state has a right to decide whether or not to recognize a non-traditional marriage. That is to say that such marriages, that is not to say I should say that such marriages cannot exist de facto as they often mm -hmm. do. It's a recognition of the fact that for legal purposes and legal purposes only in a society that respects contracts as we do, the definition of marriage be limited or at the very least clearly defined. Should we fine or jail people who have open marriages, polygynous marriages, polyandrous marriages, or gay marriages? I'd say no. But I believe that when people enter into such relationships, they ought to realize from the outset that should some dispute occur, which requires the courts to decide ownership of property or custody of children, the outcome may not be the one that they could expect given their intent to enter into a non recognized relationship and I just saw a clipping in today's National Post mm -hmm. which I think is actually a good uh, compromise if you want to use that word on the part of a state and in this case it's the state of Illinois apparently it's now become the tenth state to give spousal rights to same-sex couples and they talk about delineating the various rights that each member of that couple uh, would have under the new law. It says, it gives gay couples new rights normally reserved for spouses regarding such things as hospital visitation, making health care decisions, and matters concerning probate of a partner's estate. The Illinois law does not alter state law that recognizes marriage as being between a man and a woman. So, therefore, you have the state saying marriage is between a single man and a single woman. That's it, period. However, they recognize the fact that there are people out there who want to enter into contracts quite voluntarily, in this case, homosexual relationship, where it's pretty much unfair of society or the state to deny this contract between these people when it came to such uh, things as being able to see that person in hospital when only, for example, a spouse is required to or allowed 
to see a person in hospital. You know, it sounds to me like an overkill solution to solve a tiny problem like that, that you have to redefine marriage and change the nature of the contract in the eyes of people. Well, actually, I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing for them to allow yes. people to do, but whether it relates to the, 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 um, the idea of marriage itself... I can see how it connects, yes, but you have to change the whole system for that. Well, I have two comments on that. First of all, it's not changing the definition of marriage, and I would agree with the Illinois um, legislature on this, that the definition of marriage is a relationship between a man and a woman, period. However, there are contracts, if you want to use that word, and I think you and I were on the phone there for quite a long time trying to come up with another word to describe the different marriages or contracts that people get into without trying to redefine the historical definition of the word marriage, which, by the way... In, in some places, you, you don't have to redefine the history. You know, the history is not with a two-couple or one-couple marriage all the time. They don't use the word, I don't yeah. think, because they're usually in, in societies that don't <clears throat> even use English. But this is an English word, and in English history of this particular word, I could not find examples of... Um, a non-traditional one-man, one-woman uh, relationship. Actually, it's, I shouldn't say English. It's um, Isn't it an old Norse derivation? I'm not too sure. My, prior to that, it was uh, French. Found, prior to that, it was Latin. I've got some of my own research here. Um, was it, were you finished with that piece there? No, actually, oh. there's just one more thing okay. about it, and I think that this is um, the way of the future. I think I like the Illinois uh, example of trying to recognize the legitimacy of a person's right, if you will, to enter into contracts with same-sex uh, partners and give them um, some sort of legal standing when it comes to uh, privileges that a man and a woman would normally have if they were married. I don't see anything particularly wrong with this decision, uh, you know, being able to say that, hey, I'm, I'm this person's spouse, can I go visit him in the hospital? He's dying. No, I'm sorry, only a spouse, only a, a wife can do that. No, I don't think that that's... I think that's petty, if you ask mm -hmm. me. Really petty. And and the disposition of property. I don't know. I mean, you can have gay couples adopt a child and one of that uh, partnership may decide to forego a career to raise the child while the other goes out and becomes the breadwinner. Therefore, uh, under a dispute, would that other spouse be um, liable for alimony? I think that these questions have to be addressed because they happen. Not because we may not uh, recognize it today, but they certainly are happening, and I think that only to be just and fair, we have to look at them uh, in the light of our traditional definition. What do you think? Well, I think in principle it sounds very uh, clean and clear-cut, but in practice I don't think it really is. Um, you know, I looked into the... I, I, I went into my files on this, and I found a whole series of articles, all from about January, February period of 2009, almost two years ago, because of the situation with Winston Blackmore uh, out in B.C., who is uh, facing charges that were a long time coming, apparently. But the first thing the National Post answers and they, or asks is the question, is polygamy legal in Canada? And the answer is no. Section 293 of the Criminal Code outlaws all forms of polygamy or, quote, any kind of conjugal union with more than one person um, at the same time, whether or not it is recognized as a binding form of marriage, end quote. Now, here's the part that gets me. The practice is punishable by up to five years in prison. That's draconian. Now, now there's a big difference 
between a government not recognizing a particular type of union as legal and then going out and and prosecuting people. I don't even know how they can do it. How can they say that you you are in this polygamist relationship as a marriage when they don't even recognize a marriage in the first place? It's like how how do you how do you charge that? Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> now, of course, the case is more complicated than that. But I was also curious just about the whole issue of marriage itself, the definition of marriage. And I have to tell you, Robert, everywhere I looked, it was basically man and woman, husband mm-hmm. and wife. And mm-hmm. those were two of the key words, although there are other um, meanings that can be attached to it. Um, Funk and Wagnalls, the state of being married. This is the definition of marriage. A legal contract entered into by a man and a woman to live together as husband and wife. Not wife and wife, not husband and husband, husband and wife. Actually, did you look up the definition of husband and wife? Husband was from the Old Norse. It meant uh, master of a household Mm -hmm. or somebody who owned a land or a household. And a wife was simply uh, a woman married to a husband. Yes. Well, that's how land was, I mean, property was apportioned. Property was but a very in, big de- big part of why people got married. And, was, and changes the definitions in, mm-hmm. in some cultures and who, who's in charge, so to speak. Webster's 20th Century Unabridged, again, the state of being married, relation between husband and wife. But uh, definition four and five, number four said any close or intimate union. But I think that's more in a figurative sense because number five was in Pinochle. It was the king and queen of a suit. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to count that as marriage well, then too? Again, to marry you would know, also mean to join together. You can together. be married to your job, you know. And I, I don't yes. count those that, those uses of the word as being the legitimate one in the context we're talking about now. No. no. Uh, common law marriage definition. By the way, I haven't got to the legal one yet. Wait till we get to that. Uh, a marriage by mutual agreement of the parties without formal ceremony and, and provable by their subsequent conduct, such as living together as man and wife, acknowledging their relation before others, etc. Seems to be a very important thing, the witnessing aspect. And uh, my world reference encyclopedia went to a larger definition. It said marriage is a legal union of a man and woman for life. The state of condition of being married. In law, marriage is regarded in no other light than a civil contract. Marriage laws are the outgrowth from the experience and necessities of society which needed rules for the appropriation of men and women to each other, securing them in the enjoyment of each other's society and defining their obligations to their progeny. The forms which the institution of marriage took were exceedingly varied. They include monogamy, in which there's one wife to a husband, which is the rule among, get this, the most advanced nations. Hmm. That was an interesting comparison. They they include polygamy, or a plurality of wives, and polyandry, or a plurality of husbands, customary in Tibet and some of the Pacific Islands. And here's the actual legal dictionary definition before they changed it, putting, you know, allowing gay marriage. But marriage up until then, I'm looking in the actual law dictionary, said, quote, the voluntary union for life, that's a big factor, voluntary, and union for life, too, of one uh, one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. And that was a precedent set by Robin Robin, 1891. Also, such a union in, or- organi- in order to qualify as marriage should have been undertaken by a formal ceremony recognized by law. So that's the second. It's got to be voluntary. It's got to be recognized by law. It's got to be done in a formal way so other people can witness it. 
And it says, since a marriage, to some extent, is a contract, the parties to the same should have the capacity to enter into a valid contract of marriage. And capacity, so that's the third thing. You have to have the capacity. In other words, we call that the age of consent or the ability to consent, maybe. And they say, oh, well, that's what they say. Capacity here means the ability to understand the nature of the contract and the duties and responsibilities it creates. And that was established in 1929 in the case of Chertkow versus Feinstein. And then it says, where a man and woman have lived together in the relationship of man and wife, there is a rebuttable presumption that they lived together in consequence of a valid marriage. And that was Beattie versus Beattie in, of all years, 1867. <laughs> Interesting so, how we went from a streamy informal I marry you to all this codified legalese. Well, I think that has a lot to do with the complexity of the society in which you're living, how large it is. It's mm -hmm. just the same with the nature of contracts with business. No, and, I agree. And we, the, we came from a tribal society yes. where families were uh, the nucleus of it and to a very, very civilized, private society that we have today. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, now I want to get back to this fellow, Winston Blackmore, who's been uh, charged out in uh, B.C. Mm -hmm. And this uh, started uh, two years ago when the original charges were laid. I understand it's before the courts now. And as we go to break here, we will be hearing from uh, a fellow named Doug Cooey. Uh, you can look him up, D-O-U-G-K-O-O-Y, and he's talking about polygamy. And this is on YouTube. Uh, clip we took from there. He went out in the street and uh, talked about the very issue that we're talking about now. I found interesting in this particular clip the response from the people on the street. Yeah, the average man in the street. I was surprised yeah. by some of their responses. Give it a listen. Yeah, we'll be back after this. Hi, it's Doug Coy for So What Do You Think? I'm out of the cold. It's like uh, five degrees below here in Vancouver. It might even be colder than that. So I uh, decided to come into my favorite place called the Smart Mouth Cafe where I come every morning for my coffee, my addiction. And uh, it's a good place to have conversation. So today we're talking a little bit about freedom. Very important court case is going on right now as I speak. And uh, it has to do with a fellow by the name of Winston Blackmore. Winston, get this, has fathered 101 children, 25 wives. And he, uh, you know, is part of a community well known here in the Vancouver area called Bountiful part of what is called the fundamentalist Mormon church, uh, compared to just the Mormon church, is a fundamentalist Mormon church. Is unconstitutional. Great. Then you have other religions say, well, my religion says that I'm allowed to marry 10-year-old girls, and my religion says I'm allowed to have sex with 8-year-old boys, and my religion says that I can build my house as tall as I want, and I sh don't have to bother getting building permits or adhering to the fire code, but that's my religious right. So, you know, people are going to come out of the woodwork, you know, with values that are, quote-unquote, not, you know, typically Canadian, but say, look, this is how we do it. I think people should be free to do whatever they want to do here. The question isn't really if, if, uh, if polygamy is all right or not. It's more that if everyone's choosing to do it. I have Ron here, and Ron and I often talk in kibitz on all kinds of things. Uh, and this is one where you could have some fun with it, but, you know, really, on the other hand, we're looking at a very serious... He wasn't having fun. He was not having much. What's he got, like, 127 times the problems now? Yeah. If he's taking care of his kids, if he's taking care of his wives, uh, in this country, I presume that uh, they would let it happen. Although I don't know if it's correct or not correct. This came up many, many different times. Some of these women are 15, 16 years of age. Oh. 
this changes everything. Yeah, and they are then uh, being required to marry him and put in, you know, by the religious things. And so then some of them have come back at, say, 21 and said 22 or whatever. And there's been a few books written and all that kind of thing about yeah. how it has really affected their lives. That they didn't have a choice. Yeah, well, at least the Amish have the cojones to send their people out first to see if they actually want to experience the outside world before they before they allow them to come back and choose that life, that being Amish or Hutterite or whatever whatever you have, right? But if they're just forcing it on the people at an age where they're too young to make their own decisions, then you've got a whole different set of cases. Not so much underaged, but I mean 19, if you're over the age limit and you're an adult and you can make your own decisions, then yes, I think it's fine. Not, not a valid argument. These kids haven't made a decision. In Muslim societies where men have more than one wife, the other wives seem to tolerate it. They have many children. Their society isn't falling apart. It's been existing in its current state for many, many, many centuries. So they're here now, but they still live in their own society. Canada allows multiculturalism. Why can't they continue living as they always have and adopt the same practices if they're not breaking any laws? Well, in the States, they even have a popular TV show now about a polygamist and uh, his wives. Yeah, 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 they do. They do, and they're pretty creepy. Yeah, and it's, it's really weird. The one guy's off having a great time. I mean, I saw the one show surfing with his one wife that he just married. The others are sitting back there going, yeah, not for sure what we like. I mean, it, you know, it's a weird world we live in. But hey, again, we're going to talk to going to talk to a lot more people uh, and see what they have to think. And I'm sure we're going to get some amazing conversation on this one. Talk to you soon. You're worried whether you're going to be a stimulating enough wife for me, whether it's possible to live up to the chores and obligations of married life. But it's going to be a cinch, I promise. I'm, I, have, I have no bad habits at all. I, I grant that I have a few eccentricities. I, I, I won't eat any food that begins with the letter F, like chicken, for instance. Boris, I just don't love you. Oh, Sonia. Oh, I mean I love you, but I'm, I'm not in love with you. Sonia, do you even know what love means? There are many different kinds of love, Boris. There's... Love between a man and a woman. Love between a mother and a son. Two women. Let's not forget my favorite. But then there's the love I've always dreamed of ever since I was a little girl. Yeah? The love between two extraordinary individuals. Sonia. Oh, don't, Boris, please. Sex without love is an empty experience. Yes, but as empty experiences go, it's one of the best. <laughs> Woody Allen, you can always count on him for those kinds of insights. Welcome back. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you from now till noon. 519-661-3600, the number to call. And we're talking about marriage, in particular polygamy as compared to other forms of marriage. Interesting, some of the comments we heard before the break there. Yes, a lot of them were very um, um, favorably... Uh, pro-freedom, let people do what they would to do. Yeah, they seem to acknowledge the idea of consent, most of them, but didn't really, I don't think, follow through on all the possible issues that can happen. I noticed the one fellow was talking about how Muslim societies, you know, they've been in their current state for centuries and centuries, which almost speaks directly to that one definition that societies that have those kinds of marriages are the the more, quote, primitive ones. They're not the advanced ones. Now, didn't you in your research now, for prostitution once tell me that uh, 
that there's a lot of prostitutes in Tehran. Iran, oh, yes, over 300,000, according to a National explain. Post report. Well, prostitution goes on in in the Mideast countries as well as, well as anywhere else. But how but do what they, they get do, around it? They get married for the few minutes that uh, <laughs> the act of prostitution carries on, and then they divorce each other just by almost some of the methods that you suggested there, so, just so declaring they, it to themselves. Exactly. So you think that's so that, probably why they have polygamy over there? Yeah, you think that's even a legitimate form of marriage oh, that's it, it so speaks deceiving to, themselves it speaks to the implicit problem with marriage as uh, as a self you know a self thing you, you have to have witnesses that's the role of government it is Gov- yeah. the gov- the role, even in even in transactions and financial transactions the role of government is to be the witness you've got that receipt you bought that good somebody wants to say that you didn't you've got the proof the government's coming to your defense the referee yeah. and that little piece of paper just like the marriage certificate is not important <laughs> until until. <laughs> <laughs> until somebody uh, wants to say something different now of course this fellow um, Winston Blackmore, you know, there, one of the arguments I heard him using in all of these articles that I have here is that he's being picked on specifically because of the religion that he represents. In a way, you can make that case because the only reason the law is on Canada's books is because of that religion. John A. Macdonald put it there, and uh, almost as a condition to allow people coming up, uh, I forget which of the states I had this here somewhere, but they made it illegal and all the people in that state had to run off to Mexico and to Canada to continue practicing their polygamous ways. But what's happening, what I think is different about this case, and I don't know the facts, but there's been a lot of insinuation about it being a, quote, creepy fringe religious community and cult a small group of controlling men using scripture as a pretext to have sex with many young women. Um, The other thing is that they've also been the subject of several investigations involving allegations of polygamy, which I think is irrelevant, allegations, my goodness, Uh, sexual abuse and trafficking of teenage brides to sister communities in the U.S., and that is a whole separate issue from the issue of what we've been talking about. You know, with tongue-in-cheek, Bob, I'm going to say that these arguments are probably more a reason to outlaw religion than it is to outlaw polygamy. And uh, you you could make that argument, and that's certainly an issue that people... Well, I don't think it was made tongue-in-cheek by some (laughs) of the people that were interviewed in that uh, previous clip. Oh, yeah. A couple of them were saying, you know, yeah, you can argue religion for anything. I'm not going to drive with a license because it's against my religion. You know something, and I think we should probably talk about this later on, is I, I do not believe that there is um, freedom of religion, or should there be? Of per se. Per no, se. You, you can practice your religion as long as it doesn't violate anyone else's That's right. rights. Uh, and that is not what some people mean by freedom of religion. Now, one would wonder, at the time of these articles that I got, in to, that were all dated 2009, um, Mr. Blackmore had something like 20 wives, and it's interesting that since he was charged, it's gone up by five, and I don't know, about 25 or 30 kids. And... I wanted to see what happened recently. What's his status now? What has happened to him since all that fuss two years ago? And, you know, he was on the front page of the paper smiling with all his granddaughters and his wives. Yes, um, those were thrown out. Yeah, I was just uh, looking in the paper, uh, actually online, yeah. cbc.ca yes. had a, um, a September 23, 2009 article that says that polygamy charges were thrown out because the... Um, Oh, what did they call it? Oh, good. uh, You're filling in a blank here for me. Yeah, the attorney general chose his prosecutors. He cherry-picked them to find somebody who would actually prosecute the man. 
And uh, the judge says, no, you can't do that. You can't cherry-pick your prosecutors. So he... Uh, they oh. just threw it out. So they blew, they blew it on process again. That was last but year. They also had a problem getting any one of the women to testify. But interestingly, this is from uh, the Vancouver Sun of April 1st of this year. Quote, ex-millionaire polygamist deep in debt. Winston Blackmore lists liabilities of $5.68 million and assets of $867,000. Oh, now what happens? Well, apparently he's going to the government for help. And they're paying the money, including covering legal fees and all sorts of other weird things. I guess he's had some status in his community. It, you know, his company apparently... His, his community is all his children. <laughs> he is community. Now, what happens to them? How happy are they going to be with their lifestyle now if this millionaire doesn't have the money to keep them accompany, you know, yeah. accustomed to their lifestyles? And are they even legally married in any sense of the word that the government would recognize? That's a, that's a pretty, pretty scary issue if you look at it all the way around. But I, to me, the, the situation is this, that the government should not be called upon even to have to recognize a lot of these relationships in the sense of marriage. I think the government has its own... You recognize a marriage. People can, can also do their own marriage contracts that the government does recognize between a husband and wife. You can do a prenuptial. You can do all sorts of things to amend the government's contract. I see a government marriage contract sort of as um, buy your own prefab, ready to make, re ready uh. to go contract, so that you don't have to go to a lawyer and put every clause in that one would consider is necessary because that's been set by precedent. Yes. And so you get that. It's the same. You know, you can buy those little books that say uh, write your own will, and it comes with all the specific terms you have to have in your will. Uh, marriage is very much like that, unless you want to personalize it or change it to your own specifications. And to the degree that the, the law allows that, I think that's great. But I think the law itself would have a tremendous problem through marriage, through the institution of marriage, trying to, for example, what's going to happen with all these people, all these women who may not now be supportable by a guy who's been used to supporting them. I don't know if he's going to get out of this or if how bad the situation is, but it's fairly current and it seems to be an inevitability that might happen to people like that. And that is, in a sense, what marriage was constituted as an institution to protect, quote, society from. Would you agree with that? I would indeed. It actually goes back to what I was saying earlier on in the hour where I was suggesting that what happens when, for example, the husband dies in this tangled web of relationships that polygamy is, what does the state, what's the state going to do? You can't recognize it as a marriage. You've got to recognize it as something different, some sort of ultra uh, relationship that this man is now responsible for 101 kids and 25 wives. What's going to happen to them? Good question. Something we'll have to wait and see. Uh, time for a quick break. We'll take uh, another break and continue the subject. Maybe look at a little bit of a broader issue on the other side of this break. Uh, laws of attraction, open marriage, which I found, uh, I'll tell you, it sounds an awful lot like polygamy, but without the formality. So is, are we looking at the same thing? I'm not sure. We'll find out when we come back after this. A little advice for anybody from out of town here. If you get a chance to ever come to Toronto for a gay pride week, oh, do it. It's the most romantic time of the year. <laughs> Especially for a straight male from uh, small town Nova Scotia. <laughs> but a little advice for the women. If you, uh, if you ever find that your men aren't showing you any public displays of affection, here's my advice. Uh, just take them to the gay pride parade. 
Granny says she's going to have a talk with me about courting and sparking. She is. Well, I'm glad of that, Ellie. I was kind of wondering who was going to do that. Well, Paul, why don't you tell me about courting and sparking? Well, Ellie, that's something that a girl's ma usually tells her about. Well, I ain't got no ma, so why don't you tell me? Well, Granny will do it when she comes back. Well, what if she don't get back before Sunny Drysdale comes? Then I won't know how to court and spark him. <laughs> you ain't supposed to court and spark him. That's what a fella does to a girl. How? What if he do? Well, you get yourself all slicked up, shaves real close, shines his shoes, puts on a stiff collar and a clean shirt. And he goes to calling on the girl, toting a nice big store-bought box of candy. Hot diggity dog, I'm gonna like courting and sparking. It's only the courting part. I ain't got to the sparking yet. What's that like, Paul? Well, uh, she invites him to come in the parlor and sit. And they usually sit on the sofa or something, him on one end, her on the other. Yeah. Well, and uh, he goes to carefully, little at a time, scooching down to where he's within reaching distance of the girl. Sonny Drysdale gonna do that to me? He might. <laughs> and when he does, that's when a girl has got to be careful. Don't you worry, Paul. If that rascal goes to reaching for my candy, I'll knock him clean off of that sofa. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies. I'll tell you, there were some funny things in that first season of that series, especially with relation to Courtin' and Sparkin'. <laughs> and, and, you the know, they thought, she, they thought she was uh, an old maid because she was about to turn 18. <laughs> Okay, and that, so you can imagine. Uh, by the way, that's a whole other area—the whole issue of age of consent. Mm -hmm. Part of the issue in Bountiful was also raised that uh, some of the girls were under the age of consent. However, they weren't at the time of their marriage. The age of consent was raised during the period in question, right. and so that had to be thrown out as well. But interesting, I found uh, an in, this. This where is this out of National Post, February fourteenth, in two thousand and nine. Laws of attraction. I think one of the problems with the marriage contract is that it's trying to solidify a relationship that is so highly emotionally based. Biological. Uh, biological. And isn't like as cut and dry as a real estate deal, <laughs> if you want to put it, put it like that. Yes. And uh, I don't know how I don't buy a lot of this. I understand this is sort of uh, popped science, I guess. Why do we love the people we love? Turns out it really may all be about chemistry, writes Rebecca Field Yeager in uh, her book, Why Him, Why Her? Finding your, well, finding real love by understanding your personality type, okay? She says there's four chemicals that greatly determine who we are and who we're attracted to. Dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, and estrogen. Didn't they talk about alcohol? That's five. <laughs> five. That's the one that mixes the rest all together, right? And uh, she says, she suggests there's four broad personality types based on whichever of those chemicals dominate their brain. Uh, the, you'd have, you end up being, you know, dopamine explorers, builders have high levels of serotonin, uh, directors pumped up with testosterone, negotiators high in estrogen. So those, there's your four type of people. Oh, the explorers, dear. builders, directors, and the, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you were right when you call it pop science. Yes, it is. And you get this all the time. But it's indicative of how subjective 
people's relationships can be and the things on which they either think they base them on. No, I wouldn't put it past. Not, she didn't do this just out of the blue. There were studies and they did opinion polls and naturally they, they found associations, but whether it's cause and effect, you cannot say. Yeah. And it was a result of a of a hypothesis of a study she conducted of 40,000 people who participated on chemistry.com. Oh dear. Like <laughs> so, mo- most junk science is based on correlations. Yes. And correlations does not necessarily prove causality. Now, we were talking about polygamy for a large part of the show. What do you think of this? Here's a under social circles out of the Weekend Post and the National Post. This goes back a couple years talking about open marriage. And one would think that because it's an open marriage, it doesn't have any rules. But they're talking about people who are legally married as a couple. No, they're not swingers. And uh, although you might say they are, there are different... There's one, two, three, four, five. Swingers is number five uh, under their little column, a who's who of polyamorists. And uh, there's partnered non-monogamy, solo polyamorist, polyfidelity... Monopoly combo and swingers. But this couple they were looking at, um, don't know if they have their name here, Samantha Fraser and her husband, uh, Steph, uh, they consider themselves in an open marriage. And they have practiced what they call polyamory, having several sexual or emotional relationships at once for over two years. And they schedule dates with outside partners once a week or once every two weeks. They reserve the right to veto the partner. There's one of the rules. <laughs> okay. Sleepovers are forbidden unless someone's too drunk to get home. And there's your alcohol content coming <laughs> into the, to the picture. And they said, we used to do sleepovers more last year, and it contributed to some issues with us getting too close to people. How close can you get? <laughs> and then they say, uh, to the uninitiated, polyamory may look like a return to the hedonistic free love of the 1960s. But its current proponents say today's open relationships often regimented by more, are often regimented by more rules than monogamous ones. Well, yeah, you'd have to have more rules because there's more choices to be made and more things that can go wrong, right? And that's one of the reasons you have a monogamous relationship is so you don't have to worry about all those rules. <laughs> you don't have to think about all those things. It's pretty simple, yeah. Um, largely because their main challenge appears to be jealousy. Well, no kidding. And so most of their workshops are all about jealousy, as if they're almost ignoring the psychological effect that this relation is, these relationships are having on them, yet they persist in them. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like there's a maybe they figure the benefit's greater than the harm. I don't know that. I can't or, see how they I last. Hmm? I can't see how they last. Well, they obviously don't forever. I mean, it's a temporary situation. And I yet get monogamous relationships. Uh, last. I don't know. But they can. But they argue that the reason their open relationships work, quote unquote, is because of constant negotiations between partners, or what Fraser calls quote checking in on all partners. Why? Wouldn't wouldn't you want to add that to your schedule for the day? That sounds like too much work. (laughs) Often labeled as swinging, which usually involves a couple having sex with other couple together, polyamorous relationships are highly hierarchical. Primary partners are strongly attached, while secondary partners float in and out, ideally without the emotional or economic commitments of the married couple. And then Fraser sums it up, quote, we get to enjoy single life within the security of a very committed relationship. Now, doesn't that sound like a complete contradiction in terms? It sort of does, doesn't it? Like, I, 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 I don't know what, where their definitions are. No, to each his own, I suppose, unless property or children are involved. 
And then in a more general viewpoint, you know, the whole issue of definition itself. Is it good for us? Is it bad for us as a society? I was looking here at the National Post, March 25, 2009, where Rebecca Wahlberg and Andrea Mrozek argue, quote, marriage benefits us all because they're referring to the cost of family breakdown in Canada, suggesting that families headed by single mothers are four times more likely to be poor, etc. You've heard all of this stuff before, right? But they say that instead of bemoaning the breakdown of marriage, our society tends to applaud it, saying, quote, live and let live, which sounds like us, Robert. It does. It sounds a bit like us, but I don't know that I'm saying that. Until. <laughs> Until. <laughs> and then she says, the irony is that raising kids outside marriage actually makes a, quote, laissez-faire, live-and-let-live lifestyle less achievable because it increases the need for costly social programs, which is a non-sequitur, that's a separate issue, mm-hmm. all of which amounts to interventions in private family life. That I'll buy. And in the U.S., they determined $140 billion in spending could be saved if all children lived with their own married parents. Well, how nice, you know? A, a, a non-statistic, really, representing a non-reality. And what's if ever the point of one. statistics if you can't do anything about them? Yes. What are they supposed to do, yeah. not well, force what, people to... Go, exactly. You know, it's stupid. And Ian Hunter, Professor Emeritus here at the Faculty of Law, UWO, yes. argued that uh, marriage has been totally eroded. And he blames it on the Canadian courts and the uh, the advance of, of gay marriage. And he just he says, marriage is the house built on sand. Once the Canadian courts dictated that marriage no longer meant what it had meant for 20 centuries of Christendom, namely the union for life of a man and woman, but could include same-sex unions, the foundation for marriage was eroded. After all, if two men living together can be called marriage, why not one man and three women? If two women can be married, why not members of a commune. When you substitute a definition of marriage based not on reproductive potential but on ideology, then marriage means any arrangement with ideological acceptability. Not sure if I totally follow that. You get that? What are you Um, saying there? Actually, uh, it brings up something I was thinking about Mm -hmm. before, is that why would anybody who, for example, do not intend or cannot have children for example, a gay couple who do not wish to adopt or um, a man and woman who physically cannot have children, why would they even want to get married? Well, that's a question, and it can be asked of heterosexual couples, too, in the same position. That's what I just said. But yeah, I think, it, oh, sorry, but it's also, I think it's a matter of that recognition in public of the commitment that it's a statement to the public, you know. I know that if, you know, generally a, a, a gentleman, let us say, knows that if a woman is married, it's hands off. That's true. It's kind of an unwritten rule. The, the ring on your finger means, Absolutely. okay, I'm taking it. And, you know, that's, that's part of the issue. And, that, and what, it, what that does is it, it, it minimizes conflict in society yeah, and answer, jealousy. Um, but he writes also this, um, that it was not Parliament, but the courts that brought this about. You know, because he says there can be no doubt that when the Canadian courts legalized same-sex marriage, they made the defense of marriage on any traditional grounds difficult, if not impossible. Well, I'll agree with that. I don't know that you want to defend marriage on traditional grounds, though. You want to defend it on rational grounds. Some of the traditions are the very irrational things that he's complaining about, in a way, but not here in Canada, of course. But he also points out how years ago gay activists correctly calculated that they could not realize their agenda through a democratic process because people would never vote for it. And isn't that true? We've seen that. Even in California, they voted for it, or against it, against rather, it, yes. where, where you'd think, holy cow, that'd be the place where it would start. So he concludes with the question, will it be a disaster if Canadian courts legalize polygamy? Time will tell, he says. 
A society can live for a time on the accumulated moral surplus of prior generations. Like financial bankruptcy, moral bankruptcy is a gradual process. Hmm. There's a condemning statement. What do you think? Again, it's the imposition of one person's so-called morality upon others. And I have to disagree with him there. I don't know that that is anybody else's place to say what other people should do in their bedrooms. Well, you know, as he says, time will tell. Let's see what happens. But um, it's an evolving process, isn't it? This I, I don't. I don't think it's going to take. I really don't think it's going to be a big issue, as big an issue as we're making of it right now, and, <laughs> and as the public is generally making of it, because those relationships, as much as some people think they can get into them, and we went through the whole commune thing in the '60s, mm-hmm. they're all very unreal. They're all very collectivist in, in a way. You could call them unnatural. In unnatural a sense. in some ways, yes. It's, Especially for human beings, you know, and and, and, and I don't necessarily given our mean, biological necessities. Yeah, I don't necessarily mean that when people engage in non-traditional mm-hmm. activities or want non-traditional marriages, that it's unnatural, meaning bad, but it's just simply not the norm. Correct. Yeah. Well, we got to run, Robert. Time's up for the show this week, and we hope everyone listening will again join us again next week when we return for another round of Just Right. So until then, you know what to do: be right, act right, stay right, and be right back here. See you next week. Color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright Oh, whenever she uses the phrase I was thinking, that means I either have to move, paint, or buy something. <laughs>